Hello. Hello. What a week it's been. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Hello. Hey. Hello. Shazzy is gone. Oh, what happened? I don't know. Shazia is gone. I think she's probably coming back. Okay. <laughs> um, I was going to ask if we could try and keep this to like 50 minutes and not go over time. Yeah, absolutely. I also would like to not be on this call that long. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I guess I'll send the the link again. She should be able to click on it again, I think, and rejoin that way. Maybe? Maybe. I am back. I am so sorry about that. Um, Hello. Hi again. <laughs> hey. What a week it's been. How are all of you doing? Doing good. How was the assessment day for y'all? It was good. It was nerve-wracking, but it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sazia, you were with um, Banish and Templeton? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Patrick, what about you? I was with Dr. Meyer and Coach. I was, too. <laughs> right. I, I. It was, um, you know... I felt like the first 10 minutes were kind of nerve wracking, but once you got into character and you started to like listen more, you know, intentionally to see what the problems were and how the story was coming up. Yeah. It really helped. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It really, it really helped um, bring about, you know, confidence and uh, helped you get into character. So I'm so glad. I'm so glad we, you know, we did this. It was like role playing at a next level. Yeah, it was a good experience. Yes, absolutely. I hope all of you are ready to enjoy the 4th of July with your family. So this is... Yeah. I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking okay. today and tomorrow off, and then I'm getting back into the swing of things on Sunday to get back on all the assignments we have to do in the next few weeks. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's a lot. Yes. Well, luckily, you know, this, this reading for this week, it wasn't terribly long, but it was content rich there. I got so much out of chapter six um, Mm -hmm. than I could have like, you know, if I read like volumes on the subject. Yeah. Well, tell it. I think overall, sorry. Oh, Patrick, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. I was going to say, I think overall this book does an excellent job of just covering every, you know, every area of racism, whether it's overt or subconscious or it's, you know, ingrained in identity development. And <laughs> it's just like, it, it's so multifaceted. It's it's really the one-stop shop for, I think, I think more people could benefit from reading this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. I think I've mentioned it before that um, I'm going to have my, my kids read this too because um, they're about to, to step out of um, their, their 
sheltered environment, you know, in Macon, Georgia. Well, my eldest has been in Atlanta, so she's she's a lot more informed. Um, but my my younger one, um, I feel can benefit a lot from from reading this book. And it's just just to be a better ally, even though you know we're not white, but you know mm-hmm. we 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 face this, and you know we need to be more informed. Um, on a lot of issues so that we can have more meaningful dialogue. But, mm-hmm. but Catherine, let's go back. You were, you were saying something earlier and I'm sorry. I didn't oh, mean to overspeak you. You were saying you got so much out of chapter six that I was wondering mm-hmm. um, if you wanted to talk, like, I'd love to hear your thoughts um, oh. on chapter six. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you I know, got a lot out of you, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we can absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, as someone who doesn't identify um, as white, I think it was important for me to to read how you know some read about stuff that I probably already knew, but just you know, just internalized mm-hmm. without ever really because we never have these discussions. You know, we're we're having these discussions now because at a societal level you know because of all the things that are going on we're kind of talking about them right now um our us three we're talking about it more because we we are in um the classroom and we're studying to be become part of a profession that we're going to handle and you know hopefully um do justice to a lot of these these issues but um so i never really thought about as um, as how she stated here, as like how, you know, whiteness is the unexamined norm. I mean, it is, but like, you know, I don't know if any of us ever think of it that way until we're forced to, right? Right. Yeah, I don't because I consider myself Colombian and Italian. So like that Mm -hmm. ethnicity question is real easy for me. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I yeah. would ever consider myself normal. I, I, in fact, I think I would consider myself far from the normal. But yeah, Patrick, um, I, I've wondered, like, I've tried to listen to the way that you talk about. I've, like, I've heard you talk about your ethnicity as Italian and Colombian. But how would you identify yourself racially? Um, I usually put uh, white and Hispanic. If I can okay. put both. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, I was wondering about that. And um, I hope that was a, an okay question to ask. Yeah. Okay. You'd really have to try to offend me. It's okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, yeah. You know, and, yeah. you know, I, this chapter got me thinking about some of my um, Arab friends because, mm-hmm. you know, there is, I don't, think there is a category for like Middle Eastern or Arab you know and I don't know where it was it, it may have even been on the census form where um, like a- Arabs are um, white they're considered white and but I don't consider Arabs white isn't that yeah <laughs> that's that's really strange to me like I wouldn't I don't know. Um, yeah. Whiteness, though, is such a, um, it's such a weird 
I mean, all of these, like our racial categories are so weird, but, um, but this reading this chapter or listening to it, it kind of, when it, it's talking about, um, like we, like we see white, whiteness is the default. And so like Mm -hmm. white people don't see their own race, um, which I find very true. Like that's really true. Um, and definitely like for me, um, as a white person, um, I like, it took me a while to even like see it. And Mm -hmm. then like, even still, like I find myself, like I have to be on top of myself to not, um, like to not assume that, like to not like to see my own, to see my own race. Um, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And I know like I fail at it all the time. Um, but, but reading this chapter kind of took me back to, um, diversity, um, social just uh, diversity and social justice are that class, um, fall semester when we were doing our cultural genogram and mm-hmm. I had such a hard time because he wanted us to break down like, um, like nationality, um, ethnicity, mm-hmm and race and Mm -hmm. that for me that ethnicity question I think really differently from from you Patrick and I think from what I hear also from you Shazia it was really hard for me because um like nationality like we're American race where I'm white but ethnicity was really hard because I think historically um like we've added more and more um like european ethnicities into just the broad category of um Mm -hmm. whiteness to like consolidate power like um like at the turn of the last century like irish people were not white italians were not white but now they are um and i i think a lot like it's important like for, for white people to see their race, but it's really, it can be really hard to see that um, like ethnic, like you have to work really hard to see your own ethnicity because um, I don't know. It's been so like consolidated. I don't know if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Like, am I making any sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like very, very white bread, and like that's Mm -hmm. the ethnicity. Um, Um, I I think what the chapter talks about, or how the chapter talks about that, is um, racial identity is not something that um, the white race is cognizant of. That you know that they too are part of a race. It's something that other people have and and a white person can go through their whole life and reach adulthood without having to think about their racial identity and because all of this has gone on for so long I remember there was um I think it was um in in that same in this 
first chapter that we read um, where the author was talking about another person's experience that how this um, young adult was was kind of sheltered by her parents. And, you know, so she kind of fell into the same line of thinking as them. And once that buffer was gone, once that, that person went, you know, out, outside the context of uh, being with their parents, they realized how um, prevalent it was, you know, like, like different um, just conversations would come up about, about race and how she was always sheltered for them because her parents always were that buffer. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, parents are just one of the, 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 um, the, the factors in our life that really help shape us. But yes, we've got so many different things going on in our context that kind mm-hmm. of helps us maintain, you know, that line of thinking. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Well, what about you, Patrick? What do you What do you think of, of um, some of the things that we're talking about? I think. Um, well, one, like, it's hard for me to to like to not think of like I I would I would. How, how do I word this? Like, uh, I see the differences in the Italian and Colombian sides of my family so much. And th- those mm-hmm. cultures are so ingrained in my life mm-hmm. that I I don't know that I could understand where someone's coming from if they didn't have, like, what that culture would be and what they identify as. Mm-hmm. Because that's, like, that's a big part of me. So, like... Even the Italian, like Italian is, I mean, the Italian and Colombian both, or at least the Colombian that I am a part of is very like olive skinned uh-huh. and mm-hmm. or like tan and, um, but still white. Um, but even like my grandmother was English. And that was a big part of her. And um, like she knew where her ancestors came from and like, I don't know. I think I think um, like knowing I guess at some point if your family came back like early enough, then you like start to forget. But mm-hmm. um, like my family, traces, parts of my family trace their their uh, their their is coming in through um, Ellis Island and my mom's grandpa or my mom's parents. It were first generation immigrants, so um, I don't know. I just think it's good to know like where you're from, mm-hmm. yeah, and have something to like. I think that makes identity development a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Like, who 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 are your people? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think like for me, um, it just it's. Um, I think because like from, so I had, um, one great grandfather who immigrated from Scotland, um, but he left the family when he was, when my grandmother was two. So like, she's not, like, she was never really connected to that. 
And then the rest of my family has just been um, like in the Southern United States for so long that it's like that has become like our cultural identity. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, like we're, I think like most of my ancestors came from England. Um, and then I think there are some that are um, that were Czech, but like there it's mostly just like our culture is like Southern United mm-hmm. States. Um, and because like, that's like the normative, like Southern white, culture in our location is like that's the norm it you have to it just this this chapter just rang really true because you have to work really hard to see it mm-hmm. um it's like the um the um like the fish that are swimming and one swims by and says how's the water and they say like what's water um <laughs> it's like the water that we're swimming in so, right. um, yeah, yeah, a lot of, yeah, go ahead. Oh, good. No, I want to hear from you, Shazia. No, no, finish up and then I'll, I'll add. Oh, I was, um, I don't know exactly where I was going. So <laughs> That's good. That's all, it's all good. I was yeah. just going to say that, you know, you're right. Cause, um, over time, our culture and our concepts of, our identity, they do develop in based on, you know, where, where we live. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, and, and yes, the South and, and the area in we, where we live, where we have, um, I've, I've lived here about 20 years now. Um, but like, if we go to a different region, um, you know, there, that area is going to have a different, um, slant, you know, like mm-hmm. for example, I was in Fort Lauderdale last week and mm-hmm. Fort Lauderdale is very diverse. You have mm-hmm. so many of, you know, um, the, the Latin community, you have, you have, a, um, a lot of the South, South Asian community. Um, mm-hmm. you, you also have a lot of, um, black community but they're all from different regions like you've got jamaican haitian you've got african you've got you know um american (laughs) you've got every every different you know um ethnic uh, Mm -hmm. back and you don't really see as many as many white people as as you would do in in georgia and i think (laughs) and i think that it really changes the way um, like our comfort levels, maybe, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, um, mm-hmm. So I, I grew up not too far away from Fort Lauderdale. I, I like in the mm-hmm. Pearls from Margate, that area. And mm-hmm. if I go back to my time there, even though I was racially different, um, I still found more people like me than I did here. <laughs> You know, and we, you know, we, we didn't really like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't think any of us really think about any of this consciously. We are growing to be a more race conscious society than we were a little bit ago. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. 
There is, there is one thing in the book where um, it started talking about like white guilt and uh, this girl who wrote that like there were times where she wished she weren't weren't white and mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever felt that way uh, mm-hmm. but also I don't really um, like I said earlier like I really consider myself even though the Colombian like side um, in Colombia skin color is or has been historically linked to like um like class and status mm-hmm. um so there there is that but but in general i don't really think about like i've never really felt that guilt like i recognize that i'm privileged and it's unfair mm-hmm. but i don't know that i've i've ever been so like guilt torn over it that i've i've wanted to be like not white does that mm-hmm. make sense that makes yes. sense. I felt like I felt guilt about being white. Like I felt like guilty about like the privileges that I have that um, other people don't. Um, like just due to race. Um I've definitely felt guilty about it. And I also don't know that I've ever wished that. I've also not, I don't think I've ever wished to not be white. Um, Like, I guess I've always just seen it as, well, actually I was talking with my brother the other day and he said, um, we were talking about white privilege and he said like, what we call privileges are really just rights. Like, like everyone should be able to walk down the street and feel safe regardless of their race. And everyone should, no one should be worried that um, a cop is going to kill them because of their race. Like, like the things that we have that we call white privilege are really just rights that should be extended to all people. Mm-hmm. And I guess I just see it like, like how can we, instead of wanting to not not have, I wouldn't want to give up the rights that I have. I would just want to extend those things, like yeah. like everybody should have it. Does I that agree. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. So, like, That's I, such a nice I way of saying the, it. Oh, sorry. Okay. I was just going to say, I found the, the page. It was on page 200, and it was a little blurb. And um, she had said, like, I definitely remember many a time that I wished I was not white, ashamed of what others have done to the other racial groups in the world. And I, I agree with, with, like, I think we should extend the privilege, not, like, give it up and feel guilty about, like, what others of your group have done. I mean, um like like atrocities have been committed by all sorts of people of different colors and different uh religious groups and like that like uh, i think to to really identify yourself so hard with that that you like feel guilt over um the actions of other people who identify as your group doesn't really click with me 
but I, I, I do recognize the disparities in that, like, there does need to be change, especially within, like, like, it's not about, um, I mean, there's definitely, like, police brutality, but there's also, like, just uh, laws that were put in place that are just racist in general. And, and there's, like, voter suppression, and, like, Jim Crow is still a thing. It doesn't look the same as it did, but it's definitely still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely, Patrick, I definitely see what you're saying. I think, like, for me, um, like, I think especially as um, a white woman, um, like, white womanhood has been, like, really weaponized to hurt other people. And, like, it, it's... Do y'all, did we, have we in these conversations talked about the, um, the video like a month or so back of the woman in Central Park, um, calling, um, calling the police on this black man who is just, I think had asked her to put her dog on the leash. Did y'all see yeah. that? Yeah, I did. Have we talked about that? I, I am so. not sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I just, I saw that video and it was just very, um, I mean, it was horrifying. Like it's horrifying um, that someone would do that and people do things like that all the time, but it's horrifying. And also um, like it was an important reminder to me that like, like if I wanted to, I could do that. Um, and, um, and so much like so many of the like Jim Crow laws and are like to protect, like we're explicitly to like protect white women and, And I guess I do feel like not guilt, like I can't change who I am and I can't change my race or my, um, my gender, but, um, but also I do feel like I do feel some guilt about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, Of course. Yeah, it does. Because you know, that's a very, very real, very lived experience. And we, we hear about so many stories, you know, so many things now more than everything because of social media. I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think they've always occurred, but mm-hmm. we're hearing a lot more about them because everything goes viral in seconds. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if, if something happens here, it's heard around around the globe, you know. Um, but going back to like culture and identity and stuff, yeah. I, uh, you know, so I've never thought of like myself as anything other than what I am. And I've never really had the desire to change. And I think I can resonate a lot with what Patrick was saying. It's because, we, you know, having a positive um, cultural identity is mm-hmm. like, I, I can't imagine existing any other way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, if you were, if, if I outward appearance stayed the same but but my my cultural identity would be stripped of me you know from me I would I, I wouldn't know how to exist I would not know how to exist in a white context yeah just because, I, I would feel naked yeah, yeah you know? <laughs> so um 
it's because that's such an important part of of my history and so like mm-hmm. i don't really have a lot of different um like uh enmeshment of cultures i it's very simple terms you can call me and my family quote unquote pure blooded because we are like south asian for as far back as you can go and you know and that's just how it's been whether or not it's going to remain that way that that time will tell but you know um so so having something to identify with Mm -hmm. has you know defined you know my existence (laughs) but and I and I wouldn't know um and if I if I lost all of that I do know that I would not be able to uh, quote unquote, survive mm-hmm. um, as a white person in America today, because mm-hmm. I I look different, I have a different name. And, you know, I can speak the same language, I can try to belong as best as I, as I, as I can, but it wouldn't, you know, it just wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because perception is different. And, and I think when the author talks about going back to page 200, when, you know, when, um, the author talks about, you know, I tried to pass as what racially unmarked, exceptional, as the one white girl who could hang, you know, in, in her relations with black people. I think we, you know, we can kind of analogize that to, um, to, to like how, um, to what I'm saying or to what Patrick was saying earlier. It's like, I don't, I don't think that you can 100%, you know, fit in or even to a greater percent i just don't i don't think that 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 really can can happen but um what we can do is develop a healthy sense of identity and i really like how the author talks about that in the first chapter um you know to developing uh i think she quotes um another counseling psychologist, Janet Helms, and um, how in her, um, in this um, psychologist's book titled Black and White Racial Identity, Theory, Research, and Practice, um, she talks about how you can develop a white identity that is positive and how you can do that um, without, um, any assumption of superiority and inferiority. And mm-hmm. if you if you flip back to page 187, um, you know, um, Ms. Helms' model talks, talks about how um, white people can develop a healthy sense of white identity by two major developmental tasks. And the first of those is to abandon individual racism. And the second was to recognize and oppose institutional and cultural racism. And then she proceeds to, to talk about the six statuses or the six states of mind that um, need to, you know, that we need to kind of embody in order to achieve those two tasks and let, let's talk a little bit about about that um i want to hear let's i want to hear what you what you thought about the next few sections um and we'll go we'll go through them one by one 
You know, so I think we've yeah, talked. Yeah, I'm just pulling it up right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I think I think we've talked a lot about contact uh, about contact about how you know we how how like white they don't recognize their white privilege and you know racial norms and how we absorb the subtly uh, the subtly communicated um, messages and how things in our context remain unchallenged um you know let's talk a little bit about the second state of mind um disintegration about cognitive dissonance um because i think that's important because i think we've all felt it at one point or another yeah i mean it's it's difficult, and I think I think a lot comes with like, um, it, like this is not an easy process. It's not a quick process of of moving towards like it. It's exactly that. It's a process, and it's going to take a lot of time to to move towards uh, an ideal. And all we can do is inch towards better, um, because it's the way we talk about things. Like my friends who are in med school. Um, who we were having a conversation. They're like, it's incorrect to say that race is a risk factor. Race is not a risk factor. Racism is the risk factor. And d- health disparities are the risk factor. And, uh, you know, inequality in policing is the ri- Like, it's not that they're black. Like, that doesn't change the, you know, their MRI, x-rays, any of that, their blood work. What changes is um, their context, what mm-hmm. how, how they've grown up, what what kind of food they've been aff- able to afford, how much they've been able to eat, um, what jobs they're able to get, where they live, how safe is that? Are there heavy metals? Like it's so I think making sure that we we are a part of of. I think choosing the words carefully are important because when you talk about how, like if you say race is a risk factor, then you, you kind of, um, you lead into that mindset of like, we're different, but if we use, if we're careful to use language that, um, is meaningful and correct, then we're, we're not, um, kind of, subconsciously guiding people towards this this predisposition to thinking a certain way does that does that make any sense yes 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 that makes it, perfect sense it's always the nuances you know and and i also understand that sometimes people are are going to fumble you know and we're all going to make mistakes and and as but as long as we continue to try and understand that that language is nuanced and having you know, um, you know, having the right thing to to say um, can really change the meaning of of things. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I I definitely see what you're what you're um, what you're saying there. Mm-hmm. But I, um, if you guys flip to page one ninety two. 
mm-hmm. where she talks about um, cognitive dissonance. I I really liked these next couple of pages because it it spells out how um, remaining engaged we can turn our our discomfort into action and she she gives you mm-hmm. you know she gives you um you know the 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 ways that action can take form um you know educating others right like like what i was just saying with mm-hmm. language being nuanced and stuff right we mm-hmm. can change the way that we say say certain things or change or express learn to express ourselves better so that we are more just and equitable and in, mm-hmm. in um in addressing others and you know pointing out stereotypes um you know kind of just shutting down racial remarks and doing art, writing or art, sharing articles with friends and family. I, I don't know if you guys are on Instagram these days, everything you're seeing so much, so many different articles and lots of positive mm-hmm. articles um, mm-hmm. relating to the BLM movement. And I have shared them left and right. Like my, my, my girls are telling me, okay, you got to stop sending us all these DMs. And I'm like, no, I want you, to, I want you to be aware. I'm so excited about some of these things that I want you to be more knowledgeable and, mm-hmm. and it really helps meaningful conversation. I don't know. Have you found yourself doing that Catherine and Patrick, like uh, being more aware of all these, all the different articles that are floating around and all the different um, images that we're seeing um, representation in the media. You- well, I, you- I definitely have since last semester um, been more aware of, of things, especially when I saw like, there was a, um, like, I think we were even having a conversation about it in class. And then I saw an article, I think, in the New York Times. It was like, how to talk to your kids about the protests. And, um, yeah, and, and just, like, I'm, I'm recognizing a little bit more and able to see, like, oh, that's, like, that sends quite a message when all of the business executives in this, you know, movie are pictured as white and um, all of the all of the um, the secretaries are either women or male minorities. And it was just like, hmm, that sends quite a message if you are one of those groups. Like, as a white person, I don't think that even comes up when you see it and you really consciously think about it. But definitely Mm -hmm. as a minority, you are taking in that message of I can work for someone who is highly successful, but that cannot be me. Or there are no people like that. Like I would have to be the first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like on, on that note, like I've noticed, like to your question, Shazia, yes, like I have noticed um, so much more. And I, I don't know how to share things that I see on Instagram, but, um, (laughs) but, um, but like, um, my friends and I have been like just sharing articles back and forth. Like, have you read this? Have you read that? Um, so I can definitely identify with that. Um, but, um, one of the things I've been really aware of is, um, like James already has quite the library of children's books. Like everyone wants to buy him a book and which is 
is sweet. And I love that. And I like, we love reading to him. And, um, but I've been trying to like pay attention to, um, like it feels really heavy to be raising like a white male person. Like, like not as I imagine, like I can only imagine what I'm doing or I, I only know what I'm doing, but, um, and I imagine it like it's a whole other sort of heavy to be like holding your, like I have a um, friend from college who has a, um, we haven't talked in a while, but she, um, she has a new, she is black and she has a baby who's about the same age as James. And I've just seen her post on Facebook, like the heaviness of this moment of like holding her tiny black boy. Um, Mm -hmm. And like knowing that, he's going to grow up and people will fear him. Um, and that is heartbreaking to me. And then I look at my like little tiny white boy and like, think about like, he's going to have just so much power um, and, or so much privilege. And like, I want him to be aware of it. Um, and I want him to be a part of the solution and not, mm-hmm people but so I've been paying attention to like the people that are represented in his books um Mm. and it's just um and like we need to do a better job of like like as he grows like pay attention to the people that are represented in the books that he reads and um he has um was given this Bible and it's so it's so sneaky because on the cover is like um there's like Jesus is represented as a brown person and then there are children of all races around him but then you Mm -hmm. open up and all the characters are white um which Mm. just oh it just I hate I hate that so much Mm -hmm. Um, but but yeah like children's books are just they're so full of of white people um, and our media is so full of just white people because we see that as the norm um, and everyone else is other um, when really we're just all, we're all different mm-hmm. and we can respect and learn from difference. And that would just be so much better. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, sorry. I feel like I no. just got lost in a car. No, 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 my- you're good. No, you're 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 good because you know um, a lot of what you're saying. Yes, it exists, but I do think that people are making a just uh, making such a stronger effort now because there are you do see a lot of you know um, characters on TV. Some some so many are racially ambiguous, like. I mean, I can't tell if some, sometimes I can't tell if a person on TV is um, Latin or if they're South Asian or if they're, you know, uh, Native American because the coloring, the hair, you know, I like this, the, the things that we look for, right? Um, you, you know, you know the, the things that we, what do we see when we, when we meet somebody? It's their appearance, right? So their appearance leads me to conclude something about them. And I might be completely off the mark, but. But there, you, you know, there is a lot um, of small changes that are that are really taking taking place. So, you yeah. know, 
Um, and that's that's a step in the right direction. That's a step yeah. in the right direction. Yeah, you know, I yeah. I think it's impossible not to judge people, and like mm-hmm. anyone who says, "Oh, I don't judge people," is just blatantly lying because they're wrong. They they're wrong. And if you don't know someone, the only thing you have to judge them on is unfortunately, you know, the their book cover. You know, like right. like it's it's what you see and how you see them act. So until mm-hmm. you get that um, that deeper understanding of that person as an individual, then that's all you have to go off of. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. if you put a bunch of those together, then you start to form these archetypes that form what you expect people of different um, appearance to, to be like or act like. Just like those commercials on, uh, like when you're watching Dateline and they're like, you know, like, what does a pedophile look like? Does it look like this or this? It's like, no, it can look like anyone. But you have this this uh, view of, you've, you've created this archetype and if it doesn't match that, you almost instinctively throw that op- option out until you get to know that person. You're like, oh, wait. Yeah, they definitely are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's different, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and Catherine, I cannot imagine raising a baby while taking all these classes. Um, <laughs> especially that child development one was just like, you know, how it was just it's it is literally how to screw up a child yeah it was like how to screw up. i didn't want to like put the idea back in your head but it was like yeah it was like how to screw up a child in 1000 ways yeah 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 it was great well i mean luckily like he's so little like he really just needs to sleep and eat and um <laughs> like have his diaper changed and like have us pay attention to him and like speak to him and play with him. Like he doesn't, he doesn't need that much like raising because like just as long as his needs are met, he's fine. Um, but which is is good. But yeah, no, that class was. Um. Oh, it was it was like a thousand ways to screw up your child. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> Well, I haven't taken that class yet, and I'm glad that my kids are 21 and soon to be 18 um, and 12. So, so I guess I'm I'm beyond that that stage of where I could potentially have done some damage, huh? I think Honestly, it, it, a lot of these classes make me do some reflection back on my life, and <laughs> I think about like where I could have done things different and where that might have benefited, like. Uh, I really try not to get like too into my head about like, um, like my past or like relating the, some of these concepts to my family, which inevitably like every single concept we learn about ends up being like, I think about it in the context of my own family. And I, I don't think I could not do that because I think you have to do that. Yeah. Right. So, um, also most of my, like the, um, these like uh, case studies and scenarios that we have to come up with, they always end up seeming very similar to my family or like relationships in my family. And I'm like, no, no, no. I, I got to like either make this more extreme or like I got to change this in some way so that it's not like me, you know, does that make any sense? Yes. That makes any sense. 
And that's why when I have the opportunity to, I use movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, movies work. Movies work. But you know what? We we are almost running out of time, and we have to explore so much more about this chapter that we didn't really like get to directly. Um, <laughs> conversations are always interesting. Um, yeah. And we learn a lot from each from each other and our own experiences. So it's kind of easy to to get, to get off tangent. Huh? Um, but we've talked a little bit about um, disintegration. Um, we've talked a lot about disintegration. Um, you know what I. Um, I, I, I really liked how she did list these states of mind because it seemed like an evolutionary kind of process. And it seems that if you are, co- you know, just cognizant of all of this and you're really trying to go through these six stages um, to, to, to develop through these six, six stages, there's it's kind of like a shoots and ladders type thing. You know, you can climb up the ladder, but you can slide down and shoot and, you know, you'll be back to where you started it's and i liked how the author gives you um suggestions and you know just how to like keep um how we can continue to be intentional and how to keep you know ongoing to push through so that we can so we can definitely emerge as better allies and also be more aware you know to, so that we can have strong and then and mutually respectful relationships and and, and all of that is as so important is important it's important um in the therapy room when we're going to be dealing with clients who are of so many different backgrounds on um, and and statuses it's going to be important as citizens of of our country of the globe and it's also just generally important um as human beings and i think you know that that level of change. You know, it's it's not just a personal thing. It really, it's like a social responsibility too. You know, we have it. It's it's up to us to 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 um, model the behavior, to have the important conversations, to shape this next generation, Catherine. You know, to help our siblings, right, Patrick? You know, I mean, it's yeah. just. Yeah, it's uh, so we just have to, um, you know, just just keep on doing um, what what some of these um suggestions are like, you know, where do we talked a little bit about about sharing articles and 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 things, but we also need to be able to shut things down, you know, I and I. I don't know how to do that tactfully, but, but, you know, what are we going to do? What would you do if we have a very racist client and, you know, how do we educate them? Did you think about that while you were reading this? No, I, I, to be honest, (laughs) I did not, I don't know what I would do. I think that would be, a really hard situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I so I do think the chapters are really good because we need to not only understand 
like blackness in a black context or like just minorities in general in their own context. But we also need to not forget about the identity development of, you know, white people and um, where they're coming from and how their identity is, is developed and like, you know, their context and all, all of that. So like mm-hmm. their situation and like, obviously like overt racism can, can be blamed, but well, mm-hmm. I guess not, you can't blame someone in a therapy room, but, um, mm-hmm. um, but like having this view of like, no, I, I'm not a, like, I'm just normal. Like that, that is something that like is ironically it is normal. And, and mm-hmm. that's, um, that's something that's good for us to understand. I think there's, Nothing that leads to us understanding people as people more will be uh, hurt, will hurt us in the therapy room. I think it can only help us to understand people in as many contexts and in as many ways as we can so that we can do better at putting ourselves in their shoes because it's frustrating being the person who has to explain to someone else and it should never fall on the client to have to explain their, um, their culture or their, you know, their sexuality, like, or their, their life. I I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. they're there to explain like, and talk to you, but, but to have to like go through all the preliminary of like, you don't understand what it's like. And you're like, you know, you're right. I don't understand, but I, I have done, some research and i i have done readings and i i am more knowledgeable than the average joe on you know um like coming out stories of um same-sex couples um of um different cultures and their contexts i mean i've lived in so many different cultures having been military and lived in europe and like, so yeah, I, I think just in general, like it's good to know people. And yes, yeah, and having you know, and having meaningful dialogue and being intentional about increasing our knowledge of of others, and, and you know, continuing to educate ourselves is 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 very you know, it's very strongly linked to that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I honestly, I think this leads me to one of like what I think uh, like the top three things that like a therapist needs is like number one has to be curiosity. You have to have curiosity for people, what makes them tick, why, what, what is going on behind the scenes? What would you do in that scenario? Not like from, don't judge from a third person perspective, um, you know, as helpful as that can be. But also try to understand what would you do if you were, you know, upset and frustrated and a minority whose voice was being silenced. And like, it's important to to be able to do that. So like that, like always being questioning and curious is important. And then that empathy of just like caring about people and yeah. like being able to connect with people on an emotional level is like super important. Yeah, I think curiosity and empathy really go hand in hand. I don't think you can really be empathetic without curiosity. Okay. Um, yes. You can be like sympathetic, but yeah, yeah, but without putting yourself in someone's shoes, it's 
Mm-hmm. It's hard to be empathetic. Yes. All right, then. Um, I think we should, should we just conclude for this week, then? another hour. I think so. I mean, there were still a few points that I know we all read and we would have, we would love to discuss, but I've addressed those in the outline. And so even if we didn't get to them, we are well aware of them. And I guess we'll see you next week then. See y'all next week. Enjoy your 4th of July weekends. Y'all too. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.